How many of you love the Ten Commandments? That's a funny question, you know. Usually, we, you know, make a little picture of the Ten Commandments and laminate it, and we stick it in our kids' classrooms, and we're like, you know, the Ten Commandments were for the kids. We'll come over here, and we'll do adult things. But I think we don't do the Ten Commandments justice that they deserve. You ever really spent much time thinking about the Ten Commandments, really meditating on them? You know they're pretty important. And I believe that we ought to spend some time thinking about them and trying to understand them. Now, I like to start this sermon out with a scripture from Psalms because I, I really relate to and understand the way the psalmist felt when he says this in, in Psalms chapter 119, verse 97. The psalmist says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Later on in that same chapter, verse 165, he goes on to write, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Brothers and sisters, I hope that you love God's law and delight in it. God's law is a wonderful thing, and I hope that you can learn to meditate upon it. That just kind of means think deeply upon these things. Don't be dismissive of them because they're very important. You know, when it comes to talking about God's law and especially looking at the Ten Commandments, I see a lot of Christian people try to think, hey, wait, wait a minute here. We're, we're New Testament Christians, and, and they try to detach themselves from anything in the Old Testament. And anytime you talk about God's law, they, they want to say, hey, hey well, wait a minute, we're, we be under grace. We're not under the law anymore. Let me kind of clarify that because that's a, a misunderstanding. Really, in the Bible, there's, in the Old Testament, there's, there's kind of three kinds of law, okay? There, there's what's called the Jewish civil law. That expired with the demise of the Jewish civil government shortly after the time of Christ. You know, Jerusalem was destroyed in, in 70 A.D. That, that whole system saw its demise. It is expired, okay? There's the Jewish ordinances, you know, the, all the different feasts and festivals they had to observe, the way they had to dress, you know, the certain foods they were allowed to eat, certain foods they were not allowed to eat. All that also is expired, Ephesians tells us, through the priestly work of Christ. And then the third law that there is in the Bible, in the Old Testament, is the moral law. Brothers and sisters, listen closely. There is no expiration on God's moral law. There is no expiration date to the Ten Commandments. Okay, they are applicable then as they are today. Whether you claimed you're saved and you're not under the law, I'm under grace, they are still applicable. Do you understand that the Ten Commandments, I find it very funny that people try to detach themselves from, from God's law. Oh, no, no, I'm not, no, I don't need to worry about God's law because I'd be under grace. Do you understand that the Ten Commandments say things like, don't commit adultery? Are you saying, that doesn't apply to me, I'm allowed to do that. I don't get when people, why people do that. Do you know it says, don't murder, don't steal? We, those things are morals, and they are still applicable to us today. That does not expire. The Ten Commandments are still applicable today. You know, the Bible teaches that the truly born again don't look at God's laws and commands as grievous. No, we should love them. We should delight in them and want to keep them. Our heart's desire should be to obey them. God's grace enables us to obey them. 
Remember, grace is God's divine, unmerited assistance. It is only when you become saved and you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit that you are even able to try and obey these Ten Commandments because you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and that grace, that divine unmerited assistance from God helps you to obey them. So don't think this whole time, well, he doesn't even need to preach this because he's preaching God's law and that doesn't apply. Yes, it does. It does. The Ten Commandments do apply to us still today. And I truly believe we don't give the Ten Commandments the credit they deserve. The Ten Commandments have no expiration date because they are based on the character and the nature of who God is. Now, I like to take a close examination of them this morning. You, you can take a quick cursory glance at the Ten Commandments. And that's mostly what we do. And you can generally come to an understanding of what they mean. But I truly believe that there are riches and there's revelation if you look closely at the Ten Commandments. Anyone that would do so, you will start to see the heart of God when you look closely at the Ten Commandments. We, we like to look at them and say, well, just this list of rules, you know, just a list of laws God gave a long time ago. No, 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 no. It's the heart of God if you look closely at them. You know, the, one of the whole points of life, and I say this a lot, hopefully it starts to stick. One of the whole points to our existence is to know God, Right? It is to know God and to make him known. That, that's one of the main points of our existence as human beings on this planet is to know God, to know our creator, to know more about him, and then tell others about him. Whole point in life. And we can do that this morning if we look closely at the Ten Commandments. When you look at the Ten Commandments and you study them, you're looking at God. Now, have a little bit of reading to do. I'm going to read out of my Bible about a half of a chapter. Exodus chapter 20 is where we find these commandments I'm talking about this morning. And I want to read them in their entirety this morning. Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 says this. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7 says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Eight says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do, not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy maidservant, thy manservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Verse 12 says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And finally, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, nor shall thou covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. 
Okay, so we have these Ten Commandments. No other gods before me is number one. Okay, no graven images. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor your mother and your father. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't covet. Those are the basic Ten Commandments that we just read in their entirety. Now, upon looking closer at these Ten Commandments, we can instantly notice something right off the bat about them. Look back at Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. Look closely at what it says. That very first part there, it says, And God spoke all these words, saying... Now, did you catch what I just caught? God spoke all these words. They did not come from man. Do you know what that means? They came from a higher power. God spoke all these words. They're not from a man. They're not from a man's heart or from a man's mind or from a man's fingers that he penned them. God spoke all these words. So these are commandments from God. He is a supreme being. He is higher than we are. So they are coming from a supreme maker down to us. God spoke all these words. They didn't come from man. They didn't come from a government. They didn't come from a monarchy. They didn't come from a parliament. They did not get voted on they are not some sort of resolution that was passed through a legislative process they are not the brainchild of some sort of philosopher then God spoke all these words they are from God these ten commandments that we're talking about this morning they're from God listen to me now Socrates didn't pen them Plato didn't invent them Aristotle did not write them some of the greatest minds we've ever seen some of the greatest philosophers we've ever seen they have nothing to do with them God made these up God did they were not given to us by academia or higher learning they were not written by some sort of expert scientist and passed to us God spoke all these words they are from him and he is higher than we are we must notice that right off the bat about the Ten Commandments not even Moses wrote them. Not even Aaron, not even Abraham had any part in them. God spoke all these words. Do you know what that further means? Because we can now see that God wrote this. Do you know what that further means? It means that these Ten Commandments are not subjective. They cannot be distorted by man's feelings or man's thoughts. Man has no input on them. They are objective, not subjective. They come from him to us. Here they are. It means that the things forbidden in, to ten, in the Ten Commandments are objectively wrong. We can know they are wrong. They are not right. God said it. He is higher than we are. We know. We know that we know it is wrong to steal. We know that. We don't have to think it. We don't have to feel it. We don't have to surmise it. We know that it is wrong to lie. It is wrong. It is objectively wrong to commit adultery. It's wrong. Why? Because God spoke all these words. Someone higher than us handed them to us. We know these things are wrong because a supreme being greater and higher than us said they are wrong. The one that designed the universe, he said they're wrong. We can know that they're wrong. There's no question that remains, no debate that needs discussed. We know that these things are objectively wrong. Because the Creator said they're wrong. For example, if Moses would have written them, Moses was a good dude. Moses was an awesome man, awesome leader. But he's just another man. Abraham, awesome man, example of faith to us thousands of years later, even after he existed. 
but he's just another man. A good man, but he's just a man. What, what makes his opinion weightier than my opinion? What is it about this man's opinion that it can be made into law, in my opinion, doesn't count as law? You see, if, if man would have wrote the Ten Commandments, it's just left and boiled down to a matter of opinion. It's just opinion. This, this man over here, he, he might say, yes, adultery is wrong. But this man over here, he might like the women and think, man, I've had some wonderful times with women. I don't think adultery is so bad. How do we know who's right? How do we know who's wrong? This man over here might say, well, lying is not right. Lying is not good. I don't think we should lie. This man over here might say, man, lying has gotten me out of a lot of trouble. Lying has saved my skin a few times. I've lied and gotten out of a lot of tight jams. I don't think lying's so bad. How do we know who's right? It's just a matter of opinion. How do we know how, who's correct? Who, who's to say that one man's opinion is more valuable than the next man's opinion? That's the beauty of the Ten Commandments. Because they come from a higher authority than man. It settles the conundrum of how we can know what's right and wrong. They came from an authority higher than man. They're not up for vote. They're not up for debate. They cannot be amended. They are what they are. They are from the creator to the created. That's how we know. We can objectively know that things are wrong. And things are right. Certain behaviors are bad. Certain behaviors are good. And we can know it because God gave it to us. We know these things are wrong. We don't have to think or, or feel that adultery is wrong. We know that it's wrong. Because God says it's wrong. Since they came from God, brothers and sisters, the Ten Commandments are set. They're, they're set. You know, it actually says that God, you can actually read later on in Exodus, maybe 10 chapters or so later, it actually says that God wrote them. God says, Moses, hew me a couple of stone tablets and bring them to me. And God actually writes them. He etches these things in stone on two tablets. He writes them himself. You know, it doesn't say that about anything else in the Bible. God writes these things. They came from the finger of God. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. The Ten Commandments are for all people at all times. I don't think we realize that the Ten Commandments have made this world a better place. They make the world a better place. This, this document called the Ten Commandments have changed the trajectory of human history. They have changed the entire world. I've spoken with some of you, and you, you'll tell me, well, my mom and dad weren't saved, but, man, they ran a tight household. That is because they were ingrained with the Ten Commandments. They're so interwoven into the fabric of this nation that people that aren't even saved still live by the Ten Commandments, knowing that these certain things are right, knowing that these certain things are wrong. It's because this nation's predicated on the Ten Commandments. And we don't even know it. If you, if you have an unsaved mom or dad and you get busted shoplifting and your dad hammers you for it, it's because we know that the Bible, the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not steal. It's evil to steal stuff. And people that aren't even saved know that these Ten Commandments 
They're woven into us, into each and every one of us. They're set because they come from the finger of God. Do you understand that the Ten Commandments make the whole world safer? They make the whole world more prosperous. They make the whole world, the whole entire world, a better place. They do. Biblical things like the Ten Commandments, they help hold our society together. What would your neighborhood be like if you were allowed to steal? It'd be a war zone. Imagine neighborhoods that didn't lie against each other. Imagine neighborhoods that didn't steal each other's stuff. Imagine marriages where you didn't have to worry about infidelity. Imagine communities where moms and dads are honored in each home. What in the world would our nation be like? What would this world be like if it happened? Ten Commandments have changed human history, and we we barely even recognize it. We cannot be dismissive of the Ten Commandments. They're so sacred and holy. And the first thing we must notice is they don't come from man. They come from God. The Ten Commandments, they came from God to help us to flourish as a population of human beings. To to flourish so that we can conduct good business with one another. We can have good communities, good neighborhoods. Listen to me. There's no better way to live. There, There is no better way to live. That there is no higher standard of living than what the Bible teaches us. There's not a better way. There's not a higher way than what God instructs. Now, I didn't know this until recently, but in Hebrews, the Ten Commandments, they're they're actually called the Ten Statements. I kind of like that because indeed they are statements. They're statements from God made to us. Now, that's okay if we call them the Ten Commandments. But indeed, they are statements from an authoritative figure to show us and to teach us how to live, how to interact with one another, and also how to interact with God. He makes ten statements, and he says, here's these ten statements. This is how I want you to live, not only in relationship with me, but also in relationship with other people. If you can do this, we'll all get along, we'll all flourish, we'll all be uh, prosperous, everything will be all right. Here they are. Here's my list. These ten statements. Now, if we look at the very first statement, it's very, very revealing because it reveals to us God's nature right off the bat. Now, we kind of like to say that that first commandment, if I said to you, what's the first commandment? You'd automatically say, well, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'd say, hang on just a minute. You skipped part of the statement. Look at Exodus. Indeed, it does say, thou shalt have no other gods before me, but we shouldn't leave it at that. The Bible actually says more than that. We have to go back and pick up Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, along with the first commandment. Look at verse 2. Here's the part we skip. It says, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is asserting that he alone is God. I am the Lord thy God. He is asserting I alone am he. He's saying morals, ethics, they don't come from any other place. They aren't found in any other source. Don't even waste your time looking. They only come from me. 
I am the only source of these morals. He's God alone. Not, not men. They don't, morals don't come from men. Morals don't come from society. You like to hear that argument all the time. Oh, society deems what's right and wrong. Oh, do they? Well, you got a lot of explaining to do then when you talk about Hitler's regime. Mor- morals don't come from other deities. God says, I am the Lord thy God. They all come from me. They originate from me. These Ten Commandments originate from the heart of God, from the mind of God, and from the fingers of God. They originated with him. And and because they originated, we know that they reflect his nature, who he is. They reflect his heart. Now, adultery is evil because God said it's evil. Thieving is evil because God has deemed it evil. Not because mankind has, not because another deity, because God said it. I am the Lord thy God. He's establishing, I am God alone. He establishes right off the bat. But look very closely at what he says right after that. Because this is the whole purpose of the rest of the Ten Commandments. It's hidden right there in verse 2. He says, I am the Lord thy God. We just talked about that. Look at this next part which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. God, right there, is saying, I am the one that led you to freedom. I am the one that broke slavery. I am the one, God is revealing his feelings on bondage. He's revealing his feelings on slavery. He does not like slavery. He's saying, I am the one that showed you how to escape this. I am the one. He liberated his people out of slavery. Then he lists these statements or commandments to show them the way to stay free. Do you want to stay a free people? Do you want to have a free nation of free people with free trade? I'm going to give you commandments that will show you the way. I am the Lord thy God which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He's shown us right then and there. Do you want to stay a free people? Do you want to know the way to freedom? Do you like being free from your slave masters? I'm going to tell you how to stay that way. I'm going to tell you how to maintain that. I'm about to give you a set of statements that will keep you a free nation and a free people. The following, you understand that the Ten Commandments, they prevent tyranny. They they prevent that. They prevent oppressive forms of government. They prevent genocides. They prevent mistreating people. They prevent slavery. The Ten Commandments do. The majority of the Ten Commandments deal with interacting. Most of them deal with interacting with people. You would think, man, they they came from God. He's probably telling us mostly how to interact with Him. But He doesn't. Most of them focus on other people. You know what it says? It's saying that God desires His children to treat each other morally. That's what the Ten Commandments are saying. Treat each other morally, with some dignity and with some respect. If I see my sons, for example, mistreat other people, maybe they make fun of someone less fortunate or make fun of someone with a disability, or, or maybe if I saw my sons use or degrade women, it would be a shame to their mother and I. A shame. We don't want someone that bears our name to treat people that way. That's the point of the Ten Commandments. God does not want his children mistreating each other. He's saying, here's moral, the moral way that I want you to treat each other. 
We want our children to respect others and treat them with, with dignity. And that's what the commandments are. They're God, the Father's way of instructing us, his children, how to behave. Don't steal their stuff. Don't covet their stuff. Don't murder each other. God says, you want to be my people, this is how I want you to treat other people. You want to bear my name, okay, this is the pathway. The Ten Commandments are beautiful. Now, it's funny because we tend to look at the first two commandments, which are closely related, and we kind of look and see how important they were way back then. You know, at, way back then, and in ancient times, they had lots of false deities. You know, if you read through your Bible in the Old Testament, all you're going to come across a lot about Baal or Molech or Ashtoreth, all these false gods. And that first commandment says, thou shalt not have any other gods. The second one says, don't have any graven images. Don't bow down. Don't worship them. And we like to think of those ancient pagan gods and goddesses and and those people needed that back then you know they were serving all kinds of false gods like Baal but we don't really have that kind of stuff now brothers and sisters I beg to differ those first two commandments don't have any other gods before me and don't make any graven images and don't bow down and worship any of these idols and and really Commandment number two is idolatry, having these idols and so on and so forth. I think we have more of them now than they did back in the ancient times. Way more. And I actually believe some of them are the same false gods just wrapped in different packaging. Baal still exists to this day. Ashtoreth, Molech, all of them do. Just they're morphed a little bit and wrapped in different skin. And we serve them just the same. We have made false gods out of sports. We have made false gods out of people. Think of all the movie stars we worship. They walk out on them carpets and cameras flash. Unbelievable tens of thousands screaming and trying to get to these people. And they're just people that put their pants on just like me. Uh, athletes, we glorify these athletes. We throw money at them. We throw prosperity. We idolize these people. I could just be like him or her. False gods. We have made false gods out of money. We have made false gods out of education, out of beauty, out of comfort, out of substance. Us Americans are pros at that, making false gods out of substance stuff. They're the same gods. Commandments number one and two are just as valid today as they were way back then when they had all the pagan gods. Just different names. It's all idol worship. They're all created gods. The created gods, when we serve created gods, when we serve false idols, when we chase after them, it is taking the rightful glory from God that he deserves and giving that glory to someone else. God don't like that. He don't like that. He does not. It's very provoking when we show devotion and we worship these other things. Oh, I worship you. Now, we might not get down on our knees and go like this to these other gods, but there are other forms of worship that we do to them. Don't be deceived. But it's very provoking to God. Look at verse 5 in Exodus chapter 20. And when we forget about God and when we chase after these false idols, it's not only damaging to us, 
but it can be very damaging to the legacy that comes after us for numerous generations. Listen to what Exodus chapter 20 verse 5 says. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Some sins have very severe consequences that will not only harm you, it's going to harm your children, it's going to harm your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, way on down the line. So maybe we ought to take these Ten Commandments seriously and obey them. Very dangerous, very dangerous for you to neglect these things and cause harm not only to yourself, to your family, but to the legacy even coming after them. Very dangerous. Let's look at the third commandment. And don't worry, we won't get through all of them today. and We're going to be here a while if that was the case. But I think if God allows, I'll do a part two next week. Unless he says no, and I'll pray about that later. Third commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now this might be one of the most misunderstood commandments out of all of them. Most of us understand this to pretty much mean don't use the Lord thy God's name as a curse, as a curse word. You ever spent some time thinking about that? Very strange, isn't it? I have never, I have only, only ever heard God's name used in vain. I have only ever heard God or his son Christ's name used in vain. Mainly it's God's name or Jesus' name, and I've heard people use it over and over as a standalone curse word, or they'll even add it with other curses to make like a curse phrase, if you will. Very curious, isn't it, that only God's name, only Christ's name is used as is taken in vain like that. Spend some time thinking about that or kind of make you think, hmm, I have never, ever, ever one single time heard someone exclaim, Buddha, when they stubbed their toe in the middle of the night. I have never been to a sporting event where there's a big crowd of people and the ref makes a bad call and, and someone hollers out, Hey, what's wrong, ref? Are you blind for Muhammad's sake? Come on, get the, get the call right. I've never heard anyone do that. I've only ever heard the Lord's name taken in vain. Hmm. But you see, if we only take that commandment as to meaning don't use his name as a curse, it'll only be partially correct. It's only partially correct. See, a little bit gets lost in translation here. You know, I, I like to use the King James Version of the Bible. It, even that's, what, 400 years old or so? And language over time does change. My kids say things to me, new words, and I don't even know what they mean. Because language changes. Well, here we have an example of that. Language kind of changing a little bit. The original Hebrew, listen... For this third commandment, the original Hebrew actually says, do not carry the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Or it can also mean, do not bear up the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So if you read that over, it's do not carry 
the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Or do not bear the name of the Lord thy God in vain. If you think of it in those terms, it adds an element that most people don't see. Amen? It, it gives it a whole new meaning. It's saying, don't do evil in the Lord's name. Don't do evil things. Don't commit evil and say it's of God. Don't do it. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, all throughout history, how much evil has been done in God's name? So much evil. Do you know how many murders and deaths and, and killings there have been? And there's always someone trying to say, yeah, this, God wanted this. Many, many times this has happened. The third commandment is stating, you can't be a Christian and support evil things. You can't bear his name and do evil stuff and say it's okay. It's of God. He's all right with it. You can't be a Christian and be an advocate for drunkenness. Do you see what I'm saying? The two are incompatible. It doesn't work. It's a gross misrepresentation of God. You can't bear his name. Going around saying drunkenness is okay. You can't be a Christian and support sexual immorality. You can't. It doesn't work that way. The two don't reconcile. They don't jive. doesn't work that way. It drags his name through the mud. You can't be a Christian and hate people with a different skin color than you. It is not compatible. It is not consistent with what the Bible teaches. It does not reconcile. You know what it does? When we bear his name in vain, it gives great occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. When you misrepresent God. We are God's many ambassadors. We're his many ambassadors, and he wants us to represent him in an acceptable manner, consistent with Scripture. Now, to, to drive this point home, and I'm just going to tell you about this, okay? I'm just telling you about this. There are some Jewish sects that teach that this is actually called, the, this is the unforgivable commandment. They actually call it the unforgivable commandment. Now, I'm not preaching or teaching that this morning because I, I think we have some biblical examples of people that misrepresent God pretty bad and, and they are forgiven. But just to see how serious it is that people teach this is the unforgivable, that's how weighty it is because it actually comes with a little bit of a warning. It says, for the Lord thy God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Do you see how important it is for us to behave in a manner consistent with the Ten Commandments. Very important. Because if you say, oh, I'm a Christian, I go to New Hope Church, I represent God. Whether you audibly say that or not, you do represent God. If people just know you go to church, they're going to watch you. And they're going to see, and you are going to be that representative to them. You will be, you may be the only little picture, mini picture of God that they get. Might be you. And I'm asking you, how's your conduct? How's your behavior? Are you treating them morally? Are you treating other people with dignity? Or do you use people, mow them down, hate them, can't stand them? Because you are a mini ambassador to God. Now, I want to be clear, I'm not teaching that it is unforgivable, but I am telling you that the third commandment comes with a warning. Do not carry the Lord's name in vain. 
for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name, his name in vain. Now, we'll stop there. Um, if I can have the band make their way back. We'll get to the next Ten Commandments, the rest of them next week. We still have some to go. But listen, you can't treat people like trash and be a Christian and act like it doesn't have any damage. You can't use people. You can't walk on them. You can't just dismiss everyone. You can't look down on other people. You have to treat people morally and with dignity and value other people. Because of the Ten Commandments, you can't use people like objects and carry God's name. So remember, when you look at that third commandment, don't take the Lord thy name, God, in vain. Remember, don't carry his name in vain. Don't bear his name in vain. His name represents good, not evil. And you're the representative to the world for him. Don't misrepresent him to the world. Amen? Let's stand. We're going to go into worship, and we'll dismiss. We'll get to the rest of the Ten Commandments next week. Amen.